Hello and welcome to Wild Home Tales from Africa and to our third podcast episode. This week I am overjoyed to be talking to Jax, founder of Bushbells, an incredible ethical kikoi company based both in Kenya and very near to us in Dorset. Their heartwarming and humbling work is really worth the time, so sit back, make yourself a cuppa and enjoy. Hannah, sorry. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> that took a bit of time. <laughs> How thought, are you? Oh my gosh, what am I meant to be doing? Uh, anyway, I've worked it out. I'm very well indeed. How are you? Yes. Love a lovely day. Aren't we lucky? So beautiful. What have you been up to this morning? Um, I have written a blog. Oh, I call it journal on my little website. And I've got to write another one. I've got to sort of do my monthly newsletter. So in the process of doing that. And normal sort of, you know, chores and whizzing around and sorting out orders and much okay. the same as you. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, you were, uh, have I got this right? You were born and raised in Kenya? Yes, uh, part, partly yeah. right. I was actually born in Kampala in Uganda, uh, as, was, as oh, was my amazing. brother. amazing. And um, age six, six, seven, uh, we then moved back to Kenya, um, which is where my, my parents had been. And... Um, but, you know, I'm third generation, so my grandparents were out there and, and my mother, my father also was African born and bred, but he was further north in Alexandria. Um, and yeah, I just had the most amazing, amazing idyllic childhood, you know, imbued with sunshine, lots of outdoor spaces, lots of adventures. Um, and I think the thing that I really noticed when I first came to this country, which is we used to come over about every other year, I suppose, every two, three years um, to see grandparents and things. Was I, I, I remember thinking, gosh, how dull everything looked. You know, it was very, um, mm. from a child's perspective, I think it, 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 it was the light or, or lack of it and the lack of all that very the sort of vibrant colours. I'm a very visual person. So that's something that does does stick strong strong in my memory. But no, it was a fantastic childhood. I, I remember it with great clarity and uh, keep threatening one day I might write a story about it. <laughs> oh, you should, absolutely. But you're right about the, we often talk about how, I mean, you wouldn't think about it on a day like today, Mm-mm. but the the sort of grey, dingy light levels that we get for a lot of the year in England, I think my, are... For people who are used to sunny weather, I think it takes them... I think it's, it's the clarity of light. I mean, everyone says, oh, it's the winter. Funny enough, it's not the winter. I think it's that lack of, of sharp, bright sunlight. And uh, I think it's no coincidence that, you know, some people... I, I don't, but I, you do hear of people who, who suffer from this. Um, I think it's called SAD, isn't it? SAD syndrome. Yes, yeah, absolutely. It's nothing to do with depression or anything like that. It's just literally lack of, of that very clear light. But no, I, I had a, going back to my childhood, really glorious um we had a huge uh, garden where, which my brother and I used to run and mock in and I think my father thought at times we were quite feral because we used to cycle around on our bicycles you know no helmets nothing we just used to jump on our bikes whiz down to the uh, a petrol station which is about three miles away mum gave us a few shillings we used to fill up a, a, a little tiny little bottle of petrol I mean if you think about health and safety today bonkers <laughs> I don't know what people would say and I used to come back and we used to make bombs and try and blow up spiders in the garden i mean it was just <laughs> crazy we just had i love best, it oh. best fun. it was hilarious i bet the spiders were thinking differently though weren't they, they were... well i think that, that, that it was pretty cruel actually i think we were looking for the big tarantula uh, i don't think we were very successful oh. but we had a few black eyes in the meantime 
um, and lots of loud booming noises. And my poor mother had to cope with all these sort of endless potholes in the garden. And then we used oh, to make, God. you know, uh, uh, for example, great, great friends of ours had a uh, clay tennis court. And it poured and poured and poured and poured with rain. So one day we thought, oh, gosh, this tennis court's no good, not, not fit for purpose. And we decided to make a, a model of Fort Jesus, which is a, a, a wonderful Portuguese fort in Mombasa. I don't know if you know it. And the father came back. I mean, the tennis court had been completely dug up by us rodents. And you've been making been, these, like, mud exactly, buildings. And they set really hard when the sun comes out. You know, just so many glorious happy days we took it upon ourselves to clean out a nearby pond one day and threw out all the lilies and all these things in it because we thought they were weeds and threw <laughs> potassium permanganate in it and killed every living creature in it you know so oh god because because that's how um, my dad was taught to cook yes vegetables that's right. is that that's right. the that's same sort of, sort of purpley crystals i'd never advocate using something like that to boil your veg but he said every, his mother boiled everything yes. or, or in but was that to kill all the living I, things i think uh i mean I, I yes i mean i think probably going back you probably had high cases of tb and um you know sort of hepatitis you know yeah. cholera you know cholera, things like yeah. that, as well as obviously malaria and i think because everything was so dusty and dirty and i remember that as a child i remember once i like, picking out all my eyelashes because it was so dusty um yeah, you used to, I suppose you just, it was a, a form of Milton equivalent, you know, sterilizing fluid. Yeah. Uh, but we decided to throw all that into the pond and killed oh, every God. living. And uh, lot of, yeah, so no, lot, lots of fun, lots of, lots of huge, yeah. great fun. I was looking through your website, yes. which is, has beautiful, again, it just screams colour and that the sea pictures against the the white sand and the boats and the the colours of obviously all your kikoi fabrics. Yes. Um, I read the story of, well, I assume it's how you started. I read the story of Sammy yes. and his tragedy, oh. um, which was you know very heartbreaking to read. I mean, I know it's sort of probably turned around a little bit, and there's happiness oh, there now. But yeah. was that how you was that was Sammy's? So for our, our listeners probably haven't had time yet to look at your website but sammy your would you say he's your head tailor he's our, or he was your first exactly ever tailor? so so um essentially watamu is a, a very potted history um watamu is 14 kilometers north of malindi and uh south uh, sorry north of mombasa um one of the most beautiful beaches in the world and we were very very lucky because as a family we used to go there a lot uh for holidays um and we've got some very very dear friends who have the most beautiful house right on the beach. And we met Sammy th through them because he was working at the house. Um, you know, he, he, he sort of would turn his hand to anything like all the soft furnishings and gradually just became known to us over, over the years, particularly my mother. And uh, they spent a lot of time there, my parents. And then sadly, one day his, his wife died uh, of cancer and he um, had three children aged nine, seven and five from memory, a boy and two Ooh. girls. So little, 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 young. little, and life is cheap out there, as you probably know. And uh, you know, my mum said, "Oh gosh, Sammy, we need to see if we can try and find you some more work because he's the most amazing tailor. You can literally throw anything at him, and he will copy it exquisitely." So essentially, um, you know, you know the proverb: um, you, you you teach a man how to fish. You don't give him a fish; you teach him how to fish, and then he becomes sustainable. So yeah, exactly, definitely yeah. wanted to to find more work. So 
if you imagine all that bubbling along, that, that was all happening. And we really did try and find him lots and lots of work. We as a family were living abroad in uh, Turkey at the time. And anywhere I went, I always had my kikoi's with me, my kikoi pull-ons, and everyone always loved them. So I was forever, you know, saying, yeah, well, I'll get you some the next time I'm there or whatever. Because when I was growing yeah. up, you could only, kikoi's were very much from Kenya. Meantime, mum went um, on a little safari one day with a great friend of hers. Um, sadly, this lady has literally six weeks died, but she's also a great, great pioneering family. And they went into into the the, the um, bundu as we call it, the bush. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the bundu, yeah. <laughs> you've heard of the bundu. <laughs> oh, yeah, and, and Jeannie said to Mum, I, "I just want to show you a little project I'm becoming involved in." And there was a little makuti roof, which is a, a sort of like a thatch, if you like, made out of palm leaves. A little makuti shelter, and this uh, dear man who had polio. And a sort of erstwhile uh, environmentalist, and he sort of hobbled along and he had sold his donkey to build this first Makuti shelter. And there were about eight children sitting sitting on the sort of mud floor and one of them just literally climbed onto mum's lap and mum had got a book out or there were a few books lying around. And this little girl read better than most six-year-olds in England and it absolutely melted her heart. And so Jeannie said, oh, I'm I'm going to help... help, um, this man you know try and save up money to build a proper classroom and mum instantly said oh I'd love to try and help so I sort of in, in Turkey suddenly had a light bulb moment I said I'll tell you what we'll do because we were sort of soon to be coming back to the UK um this is just over 10 years ago and I said I'll tell you what let, let's get uh, let's just take potluck and 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 and, and get Sammy to make a few of the pull-ons and shorts and you know we just <laughs> the things that we all my kids used to love wearing um learning just make a few few sizes and colors and um obviously that that's our investment that's our risk if you like and we a a very dear friend of mine said oh i'll have a coffee morning for you so she had this coffee morning and by sort of two hours later nobody had come nobody had come and so i have no idea who's coming you know one person might come 10 people might come anyway literally hannah suddenly at the end we had in the last hour you're wrapping up at say 12 o'clock 10 12 people came and boom 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 off they went we probably sold about 800 pounds worth of stuff not without really trying too hard we hadn't a clue literally hadn't got a clue about sizing cut nothing 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 but we were able to say here's money for your for your next classroom so that's how it all started i had an inquiry last week somebody wants 12 cushions easy no problem but it's, you just will have to wait uh, for, for, for the process yeah, to happen. Absolutely. And they say, well, absolutely delighted to wait. Love to support this great cause. And, and I'm in no rush. So she'll get what she wants. Um, so it's very much not about instant gratification. Bush Bells is, is a purchase no. that you make because uh, you obviously you want it. It's good quality. It's going to last. It's a little bit different. It's not mass produced. So you're not going to see the whole high street wearing it. Uh, but but I think for me, the most important thing is is that you honestly can hold your head up high and say, I know who made, made, made this piece of clothing and I know the good it's doing. So you've but you see, so you started with Bushmills yes. number one school. Now you've yes. got a few schools. <laughs> so what happened with number one school is that was finished end of 2014, beginning of 2015. So we put up I put up eight classrooms, a huge assembly room, a library. Uh, we'd got a, a, a sunk a, a uh, there was um, tap water on, on the plot, a sand pit we'd built, um, a staff room, 
a couple of office admin blocks and um, our job was done. I mean, it's I don't own the land. I don't own the property. I don't own the schools. It, you know, I, I don't get involved really with the running. I'm very happy to offer advice and make connections. But our job there was done. And so um, it was time to wave it goodbye. And, and sometimes that's very hard in this process. You have you have to learn to let mm. go. But we did. In the meantime, his sister, Mona, who's uh, a, a dear friend as well, said, well, I'd quite like to start a school so I took a deep breath and thought, okay, have I got the energy? And mum's now 81. And we thought, yeah, why not? Uh, and, you know, five years ago, I said to her, you know, okay, she, she actually got to this land from her grand, grandfather and had things that they were happy for the school to be built there. But I can't tell you, Hannah, five years ago, it was real bundu. It was real scrub, you know, and it's now being cleared and... First of all, we built two classrooms and then we built another classroom. Then we bought a, built a block of three classrooms. Uh, last year, we put up... I was going to ask about this, actually, that whether you, you uh, through all your sales, you had a lump and some and, you were, and then you were able to build the school or whether it was much more, right, well, first we'll build these two classrooms. That's the priority and put in water or and then you tack on. Oh, as you, is that how you... Um, embryonic process. I mean, is that the right word? Embryonic process, stage by stage. I just think for, for listeners, it's quite nice to have that picture in the mind of when you when you are able to get this amount of money, yes. then you're able so... to build this bit of the school. And I think that feels so tangible yes. and natural and rather than sort of a big corporation. I think Absolutely, absolutely. It's so, good that so they know. How it works is that at the end of every year, we've count up our money quite literally. It's like, OK, great, we've, we've made this. You know, obviously some years are better than others. Um, and, and then we chat to one hour and we say, OK, where, where, where is this now best invested? Um, also mindful that he uh, wants to become as sustainable as possible, um, as quickly as possible. Um, so, yes, yeah, so this last year, just now we put up a double sized classroom um we've probably got one more to do um and but we thought that's okay for now and we've just this last month they're, they're still on lockdown unfortunately the school but we've been able to install uh, another water tank which has been funded by um a school in guildford actually and and all the necessary drainage to go with oh, it oh nice um so that's really nice and then we also, the great excitement last year was we sunk a borehole, um, uh, which, gosh, went down about, I think it went down about, I can't quite remember, but maybe a good 30 metres. It was a heck of a long way down. That was a very exciting project. You were a finalist for the Be yes, The Change Awards yes. last year. Thank you. So congratulations. Thank you. Um, and clearly, I think anyone who's been listening up until now can quite clearly see why you know you were nominated and you got that far so but was it a lot uh, of work to qualify and did, did yeah, you so, submit yourself or again were, you know... a, a, another uh, another client of mine actually loved the story loved what I did she was the one actually that told me about it um so she said you've just got to put together a three minute video I went okay <laughs> and this is you know I was beachside <laughs> I've only got my little iPad and funny little phone. And I thought, gosh, three minutes. And actually, I had so, I, visually, I have so much content. I mean, endless little clips of joyous children running around and, and whatever. Um, but how to put it all together? And I just thought, I, there's no ways I can do it. So I wrote, wrote and said, do you, think, <laughs> do you think I could submit a, a visual photographic collage? She said, absolutely not. I'm told it has to be a video. 
Anyway, as luck would have it, um, the daughter of other great friends of ours who, who, who live in Nairobi, she happened to be down and we got talking and she knows all about the school anyway. Well, both the schools, she's, she's been, to, she knows about both the schools. She said, oh, I, I've got my iPad with you, I'll help you. And she was amazing. So we literally had about three days to, to, to meet the deadline and we, we worked and worked and worked and worked. And worked. Uh, so she was a darling and helped me do it. And I literally was able to press the, the button within the 11th hour and send it off. Oh, and is that the video yeah. on your yeah. on your website? Exactly. People can watch. Um, it's yeah, it's quite hectic, but what a privilege. And um, I've, I've no idea how many applicants, you know, entrants they had or whatever. But it was a it was a great, great day and, and met some very interesting people who are all doing equally fantastic jobs. So I just felt very privileged to have got that far, actually. So so talking about Sammy yes. and his team of tailors and the beautiful, soft, Vi- I mean, the Kikoi fabric is so... Aren't the they? They're gorgeous. So, they just lift you, don't they? They just they scream of that <laughs> sunshine of where they come from. Um, what are oh, your best gosh, sellers? All is popular. It all goes. I mean, at different times, different people seem to need different things. But I'd say the, the pull-ons are... are, are, are and the shorts are probably the most popular. Um, our shirts have done very well. A new new line recently are what we call our softies and silkies. So I sourced from about three different, uh, have three, about three different suppliers uh, in Mombasa and, and Malindi, and um, all the all the um, very fine cottons are actually imported from India. Um, so I can't pretend that those oh, are Kenyan, okay. but they're all made. Everything's made in Kenya. The Kikoi, the Koi fabric is obviously Kenyan. Um, and yeah, we've developed a new a new line called Softies and Silkies, which are exactly the same in terms of structure, just made out of the very fine lawn cotton. And we also make our lovely kaftan tops and mini tops, which the which are for the ladies, um, again from the same fine cotton. And it's just designed to throw over easy beachwear, or again you can wear it over a cami top. I know you. Sorry, I know you said that. Um... You didn't want to overexpand your product line because essentially you've got some really good sellers. What's the point yeah. in overtaxing everybody? Um, and everybody, I imagine, is throwing ideas of, oh, you should make <laughs> this and you should make this. And you're like, well, yeah, we could. But have you got something or anything in the pipeline that you're thinking, oh, maybe we'll dip our toes I'm into doing? I'm thinking of possibly, um, I mean, the, 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 it's a, essentially a unisex range, OK? I mean, even even the, the shirts, even though they're designed for men, that's just because the buttons are on the left. Uh, a lot of ladies wear them. So I'm thinking maybe of possibly bringing out some sort of uh, easy to wear dress. So a little bit more substantial than the, than the tops that you see. But <gasps> yes. I'm, I'm thinking that, but... Yeah, I mean, the, our tailors work very, very hard. They have, they have about two, two months holiday uh, throughout the year, but they do work very hard. They're pretty much, you know, pretty much kind of full time. There's only the four of them. <laughs> Flat so, out. Again, yeah. you know, does one want to take on another one? And as you say, retrain in terms of the cutting. And I, I've got, um, so that, that, that's an idea I'm bubbling away with. But as I say, the, the, the softies and the silkies are, are, are a new line. Um, and I'm also, well, another person is desperate for some skirts, so I may I may trial those. But I'm open to suggestions. <laughs> so each week at, at the end of our podcast, we normally share a funny or yes. scary story from our time in Africa. Um, and I wondered whether you had, I mean, you've already delighted us with 
um, you know, blowing up spiders, which well, I think is going to go. You might have to edit that one because I'm well. not sure what the, the spider loving community. No, might I love say, it. But I, I, you know, it's innocent, innocent minds. It really <laughs> great, <laughs> great friends of mine, uh, Jess and Joe. We, we were inseparable, and we went camping down at Lake Navasha, which is one of the Rift Valley lakes. Uh, we were about six or seven, I suppose, uh, camping. And their mother was quite strict. I mean, she, she was a great lady, but she was also quite strict. And, and it was Sunday morning. And, and we, we told on the Saturday night, you are absolutely not allowed to go anywhere near the lake until we all wake up. And we were all very strong and able swimmers. So we said, yes, 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 yes. But of course, you know, you, you say to a child, don't. And of course they do. So the three of us got into this boat. Yeah, that, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, started, started, um, paddling out with our little oars thinking we were terribly grown up and we weren't so far from from the water's edge but it was significant it was it, it, for us it was a significant distance and um there are lots of hippos around you know not near us but you could hear them and you suddenly heard them at night time coming and foraging for the grass and things and and, and that sort of noise that they make and uh yeah my friend joe said oh there's a hippo we went, where? She said, over there, over there. So we looked, it was quite some far distance away, but very visible. Uh, and we saw what we thought were the, the ears flicking. And then it, it, it dropped down. We thought, oh my goodness, it's coming for us. And we were just with yeah. our oars. We were just slightly, when you get slightly frightened, you start laughing, but, but slightly out of control. We were you know with the oars very very fast out of side making lots of water lots of splashing and as i say we sort of suddenly got the giggles and suddenly this thing came near us and it was a water rat <laughs> uh, oh i mean you know vivid imaginations or what oh but we were absolutely terrified our hearts were beating and i tell you what we rode pretty damn quick back to the shore and just parked up and the relief, oh, but we, the relief, but all, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe the mother was quite correct. We need, maybe need to listen, listen to our elders and obey. <laughs> I'll just right. end with my my. Uh, well, I've got several favorite favorite quotes, but uh, one of my favorites is, "You make a living by what you get; you make a life by what you give." So on that note, yeah, uh, that's amazing. <laughs> But how lucky well, am I? Well, it gives me tingles. I? I, I do something that I love and I'm surrounded by beautiful, colourful, gorgeous people and beautiful, colourful, gorgeous fabrics. So, and I, I just want to say thank you to you. Thank you for, for giving me this airtime. No problem. I hope <laughs> you I enjoy you it when it. it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. I will put all of the details for Bushbells in the show notes below so that you can browse their beautiful products and read more about their story. Please follow our podcast so that you don't miss out on an episode. And until next time, Quaheri!